0: Hello, thanks for listening to our Fusion Sermon podcast. Fusion is a worshiping community within Hardaway Ministries. We gather at 1030 a.m. in the Red Brick Church building on the Hardaway campus, on the corner of 160th and Lakewood in Holland, Michigan. We invite you to join us in person when you are able. To learn more about our Fusion community and Hardaway Ministries, please visit hardaway.com. We are continuing a current, our current series this, this morning. We're in a series called Believe. And the first part of that series is we're considering some of the core truths of Scripture. Uh, really what we're asking is, what does it mean to think like Jesus? Some of the, the thoughts, what the core truths uh, that the Scriptures teach. The last two weeks, we considered two questions. The first question we considered was Who is God? And we talked about God as, as Trinitarian, like Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Last week, we talked about Pastor Mary did a wonderful job. Does God care about us? And, and, and the answer is Yes, of course. God cares deeply for us, He loves us. This week, we consider an, this, this important truth around a, a big word salvation. We're going to talk about salvation this morning, and and to guide us this morning, we're going to turn to Gos- the Gospel of John, chapter 3. Uh, Jesus, at this point, uh, Jesus' public ministry in John's Gospel has begun. His first miraculous sign was turning water into wine, a cana. Uh, he then has gone to Jerusalem, and so he's in Jerusalem during the Passover. Uh, if, you, if you're in chapter 2 of the Gospel of John, Jesus has, has turned over the money changers, tables in the temple, clearing out the temple, uh, caught... That's a very controversial thing, causing quite a stir in Jerusalem. He's also, we're told, been performing miraculous signs that many began to believe. And so you have Jesus in Jerusalem kind of causing a stir. Some people are angry with him. Other people are beginning to believe in him. And then we get to chapter 3, and in comes Nicodemus. And and we have this beautiful encounter of Jesus with Nicodemus, this Pharisee, and it includes some of the most cherished passages of the Christian faith. And so we're just gonna read it in its entirety. Not the whole chapter, but verses one through 21. And if you're willing and able, I just invite you to to stand as we hear God speak to us this morning. And and as you listen to this testimony of what happened 2,000 years ago, just imagine uh, how this exchange would have happened. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the son of man. may be done in the sight of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. He may be seated. Join me in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these words that have been preserved by your spirit so that we can hear and know the life of Jesus Christ, the words of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we pray that that you would open our hearts and our minds and our ears so that we would hear from you a word of comfort, a word of challenge, a word of truth. We pray this in Christ's name, amen, and amen. It's October 1st, pretty hard to believe, eh? Did I just say a? That just happened, I am... I'm from Wisconsin and I was just there. A? Okay. October means postseason uh, baseball. Any baseball fans? Ready for some baseball? Go Brewers, right? Sorry, I didn't realize that one. You know, I'm from Wisconsin. Okay. Okay. Any football fans? Anyone watch some football Thursday night? There we go. Okay, when I say amen about something gospel-related, you better have a better response than that. <laughs> okay, we got to get more excited about Jesus than the lions beating up my Packers. You guys should apologize to my Packers offensive line. Anyway, I digress. Also, with, with, uh, with, with October comes some fun activities like apple picking or going to the pumpkin patch, some fun stuff, right? as well as some things that are less exciting, like like fall cleanup, of the leaves. There's a lot of leaves, right? Uh, and then finally, some of our young ones are gonna be thinking of Halloween, right? Halloween is in October, and with Halloween comes some, haunt, some haunted houses and all these things. Now, I'm sure there's a variety of thoughts around Halloween and haunted houses, some positive, some negative, but I wanted to share a story from when I was in high school because when I was in high school, this would have been uh, late 90s, I went to a, a pretty unique haunted house. It was a Christian haunted house. Uh, they called them scare houses. Is anyone familiar with scare houses? It's okay if you're not. Um, but it was put on by a church. And, and here's the concept of kind of a, 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 the scare house. Uh, they depicted a variety of, of really horrendous real life scenarios. Uh, things from like like house parties gone wrong uh, to car crash scenes uh, to like dingy drug houses. Uh, and all of the scenes involved a variety of different actors who were, who were trying to portray the temptations and dangers of this world. And at the end of that house, uh, it culminated with this kind of terrifying, fiery scene of, of, of hell, uh, after which people were brought, we were brought into a tent and they shared the message of salvation. This was an evangelism tool. Uh, And and the idea was to bring young people face to face with their own mortality so they could see their need for salvation in Jesus Christ. Now, looking back on that, I have my own opinions, it feels rather manipulative, kind of gross in some ways uh, because we're using fear as motivation. And I get it, like fear is is a very powerful emotion, Um, but to literally scare the you know what out of kids seems like, I don't know. Anyway, we, have, anyway, we can talk a little more about that a little bit later. Uh, but our youth group went, and, uh, and we were encouraged to bring friends. And so I had just gotten to know this, this kid, his name was Eric, he was a little younger than us, and, and I invited him to this haunted house, not knowing exactly what we were getting into, but I'll share a little more about Eric's experience a little later, but here's, here's what I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain of about that tent at the end of the haunted house is that when it came time to share about Jesus Christ, what we say, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, there are a variety of verses shared, and one of the verses that they used was John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal or everlasting life. Now, of course, the, the hope and the prayer was that, that those who heard the, the message of salvation People like my friend, my new friend, Eric, would make a decision to believe in Jesus Christ. And honestly, whatever happened before that, at, in that moment, in that tent, when we were hearing the message of salvation, my hope was for this new friend to receive Jesus Christ and to, to, to believe in Jesus Christ as well. You see, John 3.16 is is one of the most recognizable and beloved passages of Scripture. In fact, John 3.16, there was a season, right, where where there was the guy in the end zone at football games, and he's just holding this John 3.16 sign. Uh, And and actually, Martin Luther would go on to say um, that John 3.16 is the heart of the Bible, uh, the gospel in miniature, That's great, isn't it? The gospel in miniature. There's something beautiful in this simple and succinct summary of the gospel. And if you have a limited amount of time to speak of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'd say John 3.16 is actually a wonderful, beautiful place to go. Just consider what this passage tells us. What what does this passage tell us about God's truth? Well, let's, well, let's, let's dive in. For God so loved the world just that line, the God, the creator, as we learned a couple weeks ago, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the the, the one who created all that we see, who is beyond more than we can imagine. He he loved the world. And that word in the Greek, cosmos, can refer to, to the created world, all that we see, but it also can refer to humanity, that God loved this world, that God loves humanity. So much that he gave that he gave, that God is is love, that God is this self-giving, perfect love of grace that God gives out of his his love. He gives, and not he, he gives of himself, he gives his one and only son. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave Jesus, his beloved son, who willingly would lay down his life on a cross because Jesus loved us and loves us. And what does it mean that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him, what God asks of us first and foremost is, is to believe. That's a word that means more than just believe. It means to trust faith, to place our faith and our trust in God and in Jesus Christ. And the result is that Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That belief, that faith, that putting our trust in God, in Jesus Christ, ultimately leads to life without end. That is a beautiful singular verse in Scripture. Can I get an amen? More than the lions? Amen? It's the gospel, summarized, succinct, in, in summary. Now, there's a lot we, we need to flush out about this simple and succinct verse. Questions like, well, what does it mean to believe? What do we mean by eternal life? We're gonna talk about that a little later. What, is it, what does this mean? What are the consequences for this verse today? But this one verse, John three sixteen, and the verses that follow, it leads us to a question. When we hear, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, it leads us to this next natural question is, well, do I believe? If belief in Jesus leads to eternal life, well, life without end, that sounds amazing. Do I believe in Jesus Christ? It leads us to a decision. And, and this decision is important, and I, and I don't want to diminish that. I don't want to lose sight of how important it is. I don't want to diminish the moment that, that people make this decision for Jesus Christ. It's, it's the most important response to God's grace. We believe that, that it's all from God's grace, right? But, but we respond to God's grace by, by having this experience of making a decision saying, I believe and I give my life to Jesus Christ. This morning, we had this beautiful moment where we claimed God's promises and baptism over little Jackson, Right? And at the same time, we're, we're looking forward to, and part of the promises that we're making is we're praying for and we're, incur- and we're walking beside the Coyers family because we look forward to that day when Jackson stands up before this congregation and says, this faith is my faith and I believe in Jesus and I love Jesus with all my heart and I wanna give my life to Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to have it all figured out. None of us have it all figured out. We don't have all the answers. We still wrestle with questions, right? And, and, and we, choose, we say, I believe, even though I don't always understand. And in that kind of tension, we remember uh, from Mark's gospel that this response, I believe, help me in my unbelief, was enough for a man's son to be healed, right? So, so it's not about having this perfect faith that never wavers. No, it's a, it's a journey of faith. But there's something deeply significant about this moment of decision whether it's one of our young people who've been baptized and and they're they're having these questions, right? And they're they're wondering like, yeah, but this is my faith, right? And if if you're there, if you're a young person and, and, and you've never taken that step of profession of faith, like, I just encourage you. It doesn't mean you have it all together. It just means you understand that, that we're sinners and we need Jesus. And if you have that and you're like, I wanna I want stand before uh, this congregation and say, I believe in Jesus Christ. We would love to have that conversation. We have a profession of faith class that happens during the school year. But at any time, if you wanna have that conversation, shoot me an email or talk to Nate. We would love to have that conversation any time of the year, okay? Or if it's someone who's hearing the gospel for the first time and they're compelled and they're moved by the Spirit to say, God loves me that much, and they want to say, yes, I believe. I don't know exactly what that means, but I believe and I want to give my life to Jesus. We should celebrate that, okay? I, that is amazing. That is an incredible thing. I want that for the people in my life who haven't made that decision. And I wanted that for this new friend, Eric, who I brought to a, to a, a wild kind of haunted house, Right? And here's what happened. We got, we, got to that, we got to that room at the end of this thing and, and he met with someone. And they shared John three sixteen, along with other verses and explanations. And I find out when we leave that tent that this new friend, Eric, had, had made a decision with one of the workers at this haunted house to give his life to Jesus Christ, to believe. Now, I wasn't part of that conversation, so I don't know exactly what that meant to him, he filled out one of the one of the cards, right? I don't I don't know what he meant. I don't know what he what he what did he believe about Jesus. I don't know what his motivations were, right? I can't get inside of his brain, but but I remember in that moment that I was ecstatic for him. I was overjoyed. I was so excited. We drove home and I dropped him off and I and I just I praised God. Because this this classmate of mine from high school had made a decision to believe in Jesus. And in my mind, I'm like, he's he's saved, right? And that leads us to the question, well, what what do we mean by that? What do we mean by by salvation? When we say this word salvation, what what do we mean by that? And as we think about that question, it's important to recognize that decisions are always connected to people, right? Whose stories continue. And in John 3.16, it's spoken in a context. It's connected to a person named Nicodemus whose story would continue. And just like, just like we, can't, we can't disconnect decisions from people, we also should not disconnect passages from their context. And so as we think about this question, well, what is salvation? Let's con- consider the context of what precedes this most famous passage in the New Testament, maybe John 3.16. The context is this late night encounter with Nicodemus and Jesus. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's an educated member of the ruling council, likely part of the Sanhedrin or Sadducees, right? And he comes to find out more about Jesus Christ. Much of their late night theology talk, right, he comes at night, right, so that no one really sees him come. So he comes to Jesus at night to have this kind of private conversation. And, and, and their, their theology talk centers around this idea of being born again, now, now that, that word pairing might have some connotation. Leave that aside. Right now, I think born again actually offers us a fuller picture of what is salvation. What do we mean by salvation? Because it's, it's something that extends beyond a decision or beyond a response to grace, right? Remember, Nicodemus is educated in the scriptures. He's intelligent. Jesus is offering him insight and language. What does it mean to follow Jesus? In other words, what comes after the decision? What comes after the decision? Nicodemus even struggles to understand this language of being born again. What do you mean? Like you can't, you can't physically be born again. Of course he knows that. But in fairness to Nicodemus, his questions, this is before Jesus has died on the cross or rose again, so let's give Nick a little bit of a break here, right? And let's explore, what does it mean? What is Jesus saying about being born again? First, the Greek for born again literally means born from above. I think that's incredibly helpful. So born of heaven is is literally what it could be translated. It can also be born again, but born of heaven or born from above, which offers, I think, an incredible helpful hint. More insightful, I think, is Jesus' response to Nicodemus' question of of how can this be? What what do you mean by this? Jesus goes on to say uh, in verse five, that very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and of the spirit. Born of water and of the spirit. Now there's debate among scholars, what, is that, what does Jesus mean by being born of water and of spirit? Does this refer to uh, born of water, your physical birth? And then born of spirit, like kind of born, this re, spiritual rebirth, I think that's compelling. Is it referred to baptism? Is this a metaphor for something else? Well, in one of the commentaries that I was reading, I found this compelling uh, to kind of challenge us and to help us think and expand, what, is, what do we mean by salvation? It goes like this, water, water can, might be intended to, to, to direct us to John's baptism. Not literally John's baptism, but just bring the reader's mind to John's baptism because John was baptizing during that time uh, on earth, right? And John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. It's different than what we did here. It was a baptism of repentance. Uh, And and, and so this helps us remember that the important role repentance plays in the journey of of following Jesus Christ, that there is a repentance, that there is a change of heart, that that we we choose to leave behind the old way and embrace a new way. And then the Spirit, born of the Spirit. This could speak to the inner sanctifying work of the Spirit. A theological word we'd say would be regeneration. Regeneration is, is basically just the transforming work that where the Spirit is working within our, our soul and our spirit and our mind and our body to make us more like Jesus. Transformation, or, or we might use the word discipleship. More on that later. It reminds us that God's work is to lead a person toward repentance, a turning away of their old ways, uh, embracing a new way, and being formed into a new creation. So when we think about what, is it, what do we mean by salvation, I think, I think what this helps us understand is that salvation is not just a decision that we make that secures a destiny sometime in the future, but salvation actually includes everything in between. reminds us in a powerful way that something transformative accompanies belief in Jesus. Salvation cannot be reduced to a decision. It also involves a transformed heart and life, a, a rebirth, if you will. The Apostle Paul will in 2 Corinthians, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. See, this experience of a decision is only the beginning. Discipleship is what comes Next, think of it this way. I think this is helpful. Even the language of being born again. Uh, th- think about birth. You know, like a baby is born, right, into this world. It's it's a baby's entry point into this world. But that's, that's really like, that's more at the beginning of their life, right? That's not the end. That's not the, 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 the birth is not the end goal. Like, you did it. No, 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 like it's the beginning. We still have hopes and we have dreams for our children. We have so many hopes and dreams for Jackson, right? A lifetime of growing and maturing and living into God's greater purposes for him. Birth is the beginning. And I think that's helpful because similarly, I think spiritual rebirth, being born again, making this decision to to follow Jesus, to give our life to Jesus is not the end goal. It's the beginning, It's the beginning of a new life in Jesus Christ, one that includes hopes and dreams and a lifetime of growing and maturing. Also, ups and downs and mistakes and and trying to figure it out by God's grace, by the work of the Spirit, and living into God's purposes for our lives. And we often refer to that journey as the journey of discipleship. And by discipleship, we don't just mean like learning things in a classroom. Sometimes I think it gets reduced to that. But the word comes from disciple, becoming and growing a disciple, one who follows Jesus Christ. It's a lifelong journey. So if the beginning of the journey is marked with the decision to believe in Jesus, then the rest is marked by discipleship, a lifetime of following Jesus in relationship by the power of the Holy Spirit with Jesus Christ himself. As we think about these two things, decision and discipleship, I think this is one of the issues or temptations with ministries that become hyper focused on just the decision. I can't speak specifically about what, what I experienced because I don't, I don't know all the motivations, right? But when we become hyper-focused on getting decisions for Jesus, again, decisions for Jesus are incredibly valuable, incredibly important. But when we become so focused on that that we don't give thought to ongoing discipleship, I think we can get ourselves into trouble. When it's all about getting decisions, then it doesn't matter how you get them. It can become more about us and getting as many of those commitment cards as possible where the number of cards becomes more important than the actual names on the card. And here's the other question, going back to the haunted house. What's the impact when a decision to follow Jesus Christ is based on fear rather than love? when the overwhelming motivation is, is guilt and shame and fear and not grace and forgiveness and love. I gotta say, as a, as, a, as a pastor, and, you know, over the weekend, I experienced some of that again, but as a pastor, I have this opportunity to, to have conversations like people feel like they can talk to you about stuff. You can. It's great. Um... But I've had a lot of conversations with people like friends and people that I know who, who are struggling with their faith. I don't know if they would use these words, but they, they maybe would use those words like deconstructing their faith or even qu- questioning their faith or even walking away from their faith. And, uh, and honestly, in a lot of those conversations, at the heart of those conversations, is, is a memory of, of faith that was built on guilt, shame and fear and now they're questioning all of that the gospel is good news <laughs> amen detroit lions amen yeah good news the gospel's good news don't cheer yeah it's good news finally as we close you know there's there's a decision that's a moment There's discipleship that encompasses a lifetime. And and here's why I want to close. Neither a decision to follow Jesus Christ nor a lifetime of discipleship should be separated from the community of Jesus Christ, a relationship with Jesus Christ, a relationship with the body of Christ. At best, these things should be done in community. I want you to notice from our text this morning, John 3.16 is, is spoken in the context of a relationship. That's an honest, direct conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. It's not, but it's not shouted from the street corner, um, right? It, it's part of a longer conversation. Here's, here's what I was just, as I was just meditating on John, John chapter 3, what I found fascinating is that, did you notice we're never told of a decision for Nicodemus. John John never shares whether, whether Nicodemus filled out a, a commitment card, right? We're never told explicitly that, that Nicodemus believed in Jesus. But this isn't the end of Nicodemus' story. John, the gospel author, John does return to Nicodemus two other times in the Gospel of John. Once in John 7, and we read this account where Nicodemus, again, he's one of the ruling, uh, part of the ruling council of Pharisee, and there's this, there's this resistance to Jesus, and, and Nicodemus stands up and, and kind of defends Jesus among his peers, the Pharisees. And then we also pick up Nicodemus at the end of the story. After Jesus has been crucified in John 19, we're told that Nicodemus accompanies Joseph of Arimathea to prepare Jesus' body for burial. What I find fascinating is that John seems less interested in a specific decision and more interested in the life journey of Nicodemus. One, a journey, I might add, that seemingly remains relatively close to a certain degree with Jesus, that he stayed close to Jesus, that he was following Jesus to some degree. We don't know. There's questions there. Thankfully, as I, as I think about this new friend that I invited to this haunted house, Eric, his story did not begin that night with us our story together did not end that night at the haunted house it wasn't like you filled out the card yes good luck buddy right no he he remained connected to our youth group he remained connected to our friend group there are things I would have done differently it's it's not like we were awesome um it wasn't perfect, but my hope and prayer is that the Holy Spirit was able to work by God's grace through some high school students and some youth leaders to, to disciple and walk with this young man who made a decision. Like with Nicodemus, I honestly don't, I don't know where Eric's faith journey is today. We've lost touch. But I do know there was at least a season when he journeyed relatively close to Jesus Christ and with his people, I might add those were a lot of imperfect high school students who stumbled along the way. We made mistakes. But here's the thing. As I reflect on that, even the things that I would do differently in that relationship. When we talk about salvation, it's ultimately the work of God's grace. We don't know how God's grace works through us. We don't know how God's grace works despite our imperfect efforts to draw people to Jesus Christ. Even if it's through some clumsy high school boys or some weird haunted house, I don't know, God's grace can overcome all of those things. Which is why, as we wrap up here, what we witnessed this morning, the baptism of a five-month-old little boy is so powerful and profound. Because what we witnessed and what we proclaimed, we claimed, that, that we claimed God's covenant promises over little Jackson this morning. And we declared that he belongs to God, that he is a child of God, that he is born of God. And we entrust his whole future to God. His discipleship from from today at an early age when he first hears some of those Bible stories downstairs, when he first hears the name of Jesus from Val and Mitch and his grandparents and parents, we entrust that journey to Jesus until that day when he stands before God's people and professes this faith as his own. And then his journey continues from there. And we as his church family, We commit to be his people, to be his community, a place where where he is safe to ask hard questions, a place where he is safe to to question and to wrestle with things, to have doubts, because this is where we do life together. And the ups and the downs and the wrestling, the doubts, the questions, this is his people. Amen? Amen? because we understand that it's all a gift of grace given to us through the Son who came to rescue and save a world that is so broken and lost because of God loved us more than we can ask or imagine. And we get the joy of, of participating in God's grace to, to, to fulfill those, to live into those promises that we made today, not just for Jackson, but for all of our children, and not just our children, but for all of us because we are not intended to do this life this journey alone, because it's hard. I don't know if it's getting any easier, right? And so we lean into the gospel that this is all, salvation is all a gift of grace. Apostle Paul says it better than I can, so I'm just gonna close with these words. He writes in Ephesians 2, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Jesus Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. From decision, to a life of discipleship, to an eternity with Jesus Christ. This is the good news of salvation. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word, which doesn't just give us theological propositions or facts, but gives us stories of of real people learning and walking and and growing and and stumbling and making mistakes along the way. It's a reminder and it's a picture of your grace because, Lord, each of us are living a life where where we we believe or maybe we're we're not there yet. We're we're exploring or we're curious or, or wherever we are on the journey, Lord, you commit to walk with us and we, by your grace, commit to walk with each other so that we can can come to these moments that are significant. We say, I believe and I love Jesus and these other moments where we're wrestling on this journey of faith because we don't know how God's love fits into what we're experiencing now and we just don't understand and yet the community of faith comes beside us and walks with us and lifts us up. Lord, we are better together. And Lord, we thank you as, as we journey this life of discipleship as your people as we support one another through the tough times and the good times. Lord, we thank you that in it all, what was, what was signed this morning in baptism, that we are your children, Lord. We, 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 we are grateful that your word reminds us of the good news, that there is nothing in heaven or on earth or under the earth, not even, light, not even death or more, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. That our eternity is secure in Jesus Christ. Thank you for that good news. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening. To learn how to get involved in our fusion community or how to support Hardawike Ministries, please visit us at heartawike.com.